Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now. for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure... Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And of course, they have Junior Bergen t-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. Hi, this is Kim from the Wingate in Missoula. If you need a break from the everyday same old, same old, we want to be your home away from home. With comfortable rooms, a great breakfast, and a super fun indoor water park, the Wingate of Missoula is the ideal place for a quick getaway without having to go away. Let us give your family a little quality time together or ask us about our birthday parties. Work like an adult, play like a child, and sleep like a baby at the Wingate of Missoula. It is Nuanez now. One-stop shop for all things sports around the Treasure State each and every weekday right here on 1029 ESPN Missoula, as well as statewide on SWX Montana Television. Sean Rainey in studio with me, Coulter Duanez, as he is each and every Wednesday. This is, I think, in the first hour of the show. You can find it on the podcast. Podcast is available on all the various podcast platforms, as well as right on our station website as well, 1029ESPN.com. The podcast is proudly presented by Blackfoot Communications and the Wingate by Wyndham Hotel. If you want to listen to the show live on any of your mobile devices, you can stream it. All you got to do is go to 1029ESPN.com, click on the Listen Live tab, and there you'll find the stream. The stream is presented by Opportunity Bank of Montana. Opportunity Bank, your local bank, your opportunity. If you want to get a hold of us, you can give us a call or shoot us a text, 406-361-3688. That's 361-3688. All guests join us via the Rangich Brothers RV phone line. Happy now to do what we do each Wednesday during the 5 o'clock hour. It's the ESPN Roundtable presented by Paradise Falls. Paradise Falls, 3621 Brook Street in Missoula. Great place to watch sports. Great place to put your sports bets in. Breakfast, lunch, dinner. They got 18 draft beers, 30 big screen TVs. Go check out Paradise Falls today. Guests on the ESPN Roundtable today. Friends of the show. Welcome back, guys. Tucker Sargent, former co-host of this show. And what do we want to say your title is now at this new club hockey team? Uh, I think we're calling it... Der- there we go. Hey, how's it going, Cole? <laughs> yeah, you you got to press the gotta, button. Yeah, I'm, I'm channeling my inner two-tail yeah, for yeah, Tucker yeah. because, you know, he, he was used to this for years. Yeah, I did a lot of talking and no one was listening. <laughs> <laughs> but I think we're calling my title as uh, sort of director of hockey. Okay, great. And we have Mike Anderson here as well. And Mike's going to be the co-coach of this new University of Montana hockey team. So question for both of you guys to get started here. 
how did this all come about? I mean, where, when did the wheels kind of start spinning on this idea? Because hockey, it seems to me, particularly like in the adult level, has just blown up in Missoula. I mean, you're you're fighting for ice time all over the place. I mean, it's it's a very popular activity. So how did it kind of get then parlayed into then having a hockey team at the University of Montana? Yeah, I mean, Missoula's been a good hockey town for a, a large number of years. And, you know, this has probably been, a, at least for me, about, 12 to 10 years coming about making this thing happen. And it started, it started back when the university originally had a hockey program uh, that when I was a university student here, I, I dipped my toes into, but the organizational side of it was a little lacking. And the, you know, there were a lot of good players here, but trying to elevate it to something that, you know, th- that is a product that is to, you know, promote the university and bring kids in and get people excited about town and kind of watching the top level of hockey Um you know, and bringing that to Missoula. So for a number of years, I was sitting back running the lacrosse program thinking like, man, I wish someone would do this with, with hockey. Mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. you know, you can keep saying that, wishing it, and then nothing happened. So eventually it was just uh, really in the last year, you know, it kind of said, all right, I've got a good formula with the lacrosse program. Let's just take this over and make hockey happen. And, and Mike, you've coached youth hockey in this community for a long time, and you coached the Bruins for a while. So I mean, what... What gives you faith that this is going to be something that's going to work in Missoula? It seems like it has a, a chance to be pretty big. Yeah, I think we can make it into something really, really cool and awesome. And I think the big part that attracted me to, to do it was the people involved. So Tucker, we have other people involved in the executive board. Is that what we're calling it? Yeah. Okay, the executive board. We just have good people <laughs> involved. I've tried to do things sort of on my own when I've been here, and I know all the challenges of that, just going solo. So the big thing for me to be involved with is a group of people that were – we're pushing it, and I was like, I'm going to hop on board and see if I can help out. And thankfully, Tucker and everyone else in charge of it was like, hey, maybe I'm be the head coach, and the schedule works out, and I'm really excited to get going on it. So how, how's this going to look? When does it start? Who are we, who are we playing? I know Montana State has a, a club team. I imagine yep. they're going to be on the schedule. Yeah, Montana State actually is going to be on the schedule. We're going to have six games against them next year, uh, three home, three away. Um but, you know, we, we are planning on starting play uh, games starting the beginning of October next season, fall 2021. And, you know, we're actively recruiting kids right now to bring them to the University of Montana and get this thing off the ground. Um, so I think we're going to be looking at year one, probably a 24-game schedule, 12 home, 12 away. We're going to be playing at the Glacier Ice Rink. Uh, they've been a great partner to work with, trying to find, like Coulter said, ice time is hard to get. But, you know, uh, redoing some youth schedules and making sure that we can get some uh, primetime ice time for some fr- Friday and Saturday night games and fill up the Glacier Ice Rink. This one for Coach. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Doesn't Isn't the coach from Montana State a former NHL player? Or don't they have a former NHL player helping on their staff? Do we know this? Oh, they have Peter Budage. Yeah. yeah. He's a former NHL goal. He actually came here with a camp. I uh, got to skate a couple of drills. Really good guy. Seems to be in it for the good reasons. Uh, really helpful. That's, you know, we have what we have too here. We got people who know the game. We're excited to build what we have, and we got a lot of experience and, and expertise in what we do as well, and what we can offer our, our student-athletes. For sure. Yeah, no, I just thought that would be kind of kind of fun, getting to, to match wits with a guy like that. It is, and MSU's got a really strong program right now, and they've, they've actually been one of the biggest champions of the Grizz getting the program back going because, I mean, they're just as hungry for the rivalry as we are. And, you know, they've had a, a number of successful years. They've actually uh, made it to the Nationals, um, and I actually think – 
it was either last year or the year previous, they made it to the finals of, mm-hmm. of nationals. And so, you know, they've got a good thing going there in Bozeman, but it really, it, it doesn't carry the same weight in the state without that Grizz Cat rivalry. So when we, when I talked to the guys working over there saying we were getting this going, I mean, they were all on board and I mean, they were an open book about how to get this going and, and what to do. And, and really, rooting for Montana to have success because when Montana has success, so does Montana State. And that can elevate you guys. I feel like when it comes to a lot of these sports kind of happening, if one of the sides is playing at a certain level, that's just going to create you know, uh, an elevation for you guys to kind of match that. Yeah, for absolutely. Sure. I mean, you know, Brandy's breaking trophies over here. Don't worry. Yeah. It's the only thing I've ever won in my whole life. Yeah, and great. You know, <laughs> the way we look at it is, you know, greatness drives greatness. And yeah. you know, there's there's MSU, but also within the state, University of Providence, they've added a program in the last couple of years that 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 school has gone all in on. Uh, and so that's another nationally ranked program that we have. MSU Northern is jumping on board uh, at the same time as us. So. Within the state of Montana, we're going to have four, you know, premium hockey teams going at it, um, which will be fun because, you know, one of the things we've talked about establishing starting next season is the Montana Cup, uh, sort of like the bean pot out in Boston where you've got your four teams fighting for that. So it's going to be bragging rights for the state of Montana um, kind of as the final chapter to the season. So after the, you know, you have your conference or regional playoffs, you know, we've scheduled in the Montana Cup to be a yearly event that's going to be, you know, rotating between host cities. ESPN Roundtable, presented by Paradise Falls. Mike Anderson, new co-head coach, as well as Tucker Sargent, an executive board member from the new University of Montana hockey team joining us in studio. And Mike, from a, a, a roster-building perspective, what do you think are going to be the biggest challenges and what are you most excited about as far as just getting guys to town and, and, and recruiting? Well, I've done a little bit of recruiting. I was with the Missoula Junior Bruins for the last couple of years before this year. And the biggest thing for me now is now I'm recruiting out of that level I was just coaching at. And I think the cool part about this level is that we have such a cool city here in Missoula and such a great university that recruiting now feels more like, hey, I got a great thing to sell to you. This is awesome. Go to a great place to, to live, to get educated, and then hopefully to put down their roots and we can really build the community here hockey-wise even more so than what we have now. So. My goal is to bring guys in who end up living here, staying here and helping grow the community at large. So I'm pretty excited to get that going here. Tuck, in terms of um, this level of play, when people are coming out to watch this, I mean, what can they expect? This is going to be pretty high-level hockey, I expect. Yeah, I mean, you, you, you. I think, you know, for the people that are familiar with the Missoula Maulers and the Missoula Junior Bruins, the the junior teams that we currently have, I think this is just sort of the, the, the next natural phase where, you know, the Junior Bruins have a great thing going right now and we're really looking forward to a good partnership. The way junior hockey works is that it's, you know, it's age-based, so you're getting kids, you know, between 16 and then they age out at 21. And then a lot of those kids then are looking to go to college um, and play after that. So we're sort of the, just the the next tier on that 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 hockey path or you know the, your hockey career. So you know we're we're looking to get those kids. So you, I think you, for Missoula people starting next year, there will be a number of familiar faces that you're used to. You know, Mike's got some good connections from obviously coaching those kids previously, and you know a number of them are still in town. And then you know working with those programs and other ones in the area, bringing them to Missoula. Um, so, you know, it's, it's going to be a high level hockey from what you're used to with the junior programs. It's just going to be, you know, this is the next age group up. I always thought with, with hockey and, and generating fans and things like that, 
it, it's a little bit hard because not everyone has played hockey because it's kind of it's not the easiest sport to just like oh hey let's go play hockey with our friends. So I think we need to get like the a media team together. <laughs> oh dude, and and come out and uh, I am and, game and for attempt. I am game for anything yeah. besides skating. <laughs> this is, I, I I promise you the thing that I am the worst at in the world is skating. I, yeah, will, I don't really I can't really picture you on the ice skates. No, I, and, 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 and I can't afford to break my wrist. The, the, there there are jobs available. Let's be clear. I mean this is <laughs> we we are. Yeah, working I'll be the with, coach. Okay, we, we are working with part. Partnerships, uh, obviously within the university, that's kind of the, the phase one, and we do want w- work with you know the programs currently. So the journalism school, sports broadcast kids, we, you know, give those guys an opportunity to work some games, yeah. you know, w- work on play by play, or you know, the media relations side of it, or game day, game ops. Um, so anyone that's in there, you know, we're going to be live streaming all the games everywhere we go on our, our platform. But certainly if, you know, Fox Sports or SWX comes knocking, you know, we can certainly make ourselves available to. Oh, we are. Yeah, we are absolutely <laughs> going to be going to be doing some well. uh, hockey games. A hundred percent guarantee that it's one of those sports where like, if you I feel like if you just take the time to dive into it, it, it is super addicting. Um, I grew up in the San Diego area, so hockey was not big there. And we had uh, a kid move from out of state, and he was actually a huge Ducks fan, though. And this mm. was when the Ducks went and played in the Stanley Cup Finals. Mm-hmm. And I, after school, he was just wanted someone to watch it with. So I went and watched every single game of the playoffs and got hooked at that point from from hockey. And I think people just need to, to dive into it and, and watch it. And this will be a, a great time Absolutely. to go do it and, and support like a University of Montana squad. Absolutely. And that's really, you know, kind of one of the things that we're banking on is, you know, we want to make this fun and exciting and the game day experience is going to be, you know, really inclusive and it's going to be family friendly where, you know, there's going to be stuff going on in between the periods and really making a show and kind of building off of that crowd that, you know, largely thanks to the Missoula Maulers and Missoula Junior Bruins and what they've done, you know, they have developed a good hockey community here and there are a number, but you know, how can we broaden that out? And I think having the Grizz brand, you know, certainly helps pique some interest amongst a lot of people. But, you know, I think, you know, as you're talking about being someone who didn't know hockey and coming in and watching it for the first time. And, you know, it only takes a couple of games to really appreciate kind of the speed, the physicality, the excitement that's on the game. And I think hockey's biggest issue that, that we've seen recently is that, you know, the speed and the skill of these players doesn't always translate on television. Just so because true. It, 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 for whatever reason, you know, the puck moves so fast, the, the camera has a hard time. But when you're there live and you hear the sounds of the people crashing into the boards and, you know, the sticks, you know, hitting the ice and, and all the, the sound and the whole thing that comes in with it. I mean, it's a very, very exciting in-person live experience. And that's something that I think, you know, Missoula is going to, has been and will continue to really enjoy. And every person that I've ever known to do play-by-play, you know, once they jump into hockey, immediately that becomes their favorite sport to call. And I think it's really just from a broadcaster standpoint, there's so much going on and you just get, you just start, you, you go, you basically, and I've called a few games, you go blank in the head where you're just, you're out there just spinning out and it's happening so fast. And it's really exhilarating from a call standpoint as well. Yeah. And you definitely need to, uh, Take a little breather when you're done because uh, you're expending a lot of energy as a play-by-play guy doing uh, doing some hockey games for sure. It's so true too that I think that the sport that is accentuated in your viewing experience by going in person is hockey. I mean, I've been to all the pro sporting events and the ones that have blown me the way the most are the NHL games because on TV, half of what's happening is not in the screen because they're following the puck and you got... All this other stuff back here, I mean, the fights, the line changes, every, I mean, like you're saying, hitting guys on the boards, all these different factors. So I do think it's going to be uh, pretty fun. Uh, Mike, 
when it comes to re-engaging in the rivalry, Tuck talked about it a little bit, but I mean, that must be a pretty exciting thing for you as a coach to already have an established hockey program at Montana State and uh, kind of use that as something to spur your guys along and, and engage in a, a, a new version of the Cat-Grizz rivalry. Yeah, I'm still relatively new to the whole Cat-Grizz deal being from Minnesota, but it was one of the first things I noticed here right away was people are very serious and into it, so it'll be fun to be a part of it in this way. I do think having other programs in the state, too, is going to be a big help for us with Providence, uh, Northern, and then Gonzaga and Eastern Washington right nearby us, too, is going to be super helpful just to get things going and having those close little road trips that breed that intimacy is going to be a lot of fun and get the guys engaged more, for sure. In terms of uh, challenges beyond recruiting and building a roster, what other things are you guys facing, and how can people get involved if they want to help out or, or just be involved in the program? As Tuck mentioned, we want to really work with the university, all the different departments, to give students opportunities to do internships and be help be of help in any way. I think the biggest thing, and maybe Tuck can explain a little bit more as well, is the game day operations. We want that to be a huge, awesome thing, a great event to bring families and for college students to come to and have a great time at. So we want to make sure that that runs smoothly right away, and anyone who's interested in helping in that, to me... That's the, the big thing to get off the ground with the most help we need, I think. And we got to ask you a little more talk about the game day experience because this is going to be something that's different than maybe any other college sporting event you can go to. I mean, you can go down to the ice rink, and, I mean, there's a lot of different factors that can make it a lot more fun, including beer. <laughs> so <laughs> That's I mean, correct. I mean, this is going to be cheap and fun entertainment, right? I mean, so tell people just kind of the logistics. It's probably going to be cheap tickets and cheap beers, right? It, it is, exactly. So, you know, we're still working through that, but I think, you know, initially what we're looking for, uh, looking at doing is obviously there's going to be an admission, admissions charge, but I mean, we want to make this something that's accessible to all people. So, you know, coming out the gate, it's, it's I think tickets are going to be about five bucks. And for students, that's going to include a be- your first beverage with your game day ticket. Oh, yeah. Um, so I think that's one of the fun things about hockey and one of the few, you know, college sports where you can do that because it is its own private arena. And, you know, there are there is, you know, access to that. And it's it's also a great fundraising revenue. I mean, that's, you know, ticket sales and, and you know, beer is going to be, you know, a part, a large part of what drives this. So, you know, we do want it to, you know, be fun, be safe. Um, but also, yeah, that is an opportunity that is there. Now, I think it's going to be awesome. I think, you know, the Maulers and the Bruins have their fan bases, but having it be Grizz versus, you know, the Cats and all these other Montana schools, especially too, because there's like a dynamic with the Frontier schools and the University of Montana, Montana State, where, People want to rep the frontier and, and know that they can you know can compete at certain levels like when they when Montana Tech beat the University of Montana in Missoula what was that two years ago uh, two years ago yep uh, I heard from so many frontier fans that like hey you know maybe being a little bit too much like we could play at that level like consistently thing like that so I think that little dynamic of having the frontier schools being able to play kind of the quote unquote bigger schools. Uh, is going to be a lot of fun, too. It, it, it's, it's a really cool opportunity, and I think it's really good for the state, too, because it does, like, you know, you have your Grizz, your Cat, and that really divides with the state, and everyone sort of has an allegiance there, but you do, you know, we are going to be going to Haver, and we are going to be going to Great Falls, which are, you know, those people have their their University of Montana, Montana State interest, but they also have their own local pride. And so mm-hmm. to go there and, and one, just represent Mon, you know the University of Montana in those communities and bring that to a fan base that already exists, but also 
you know, let them fight against us and, and bring that up. And it was funny scheduling the games. You know, they already have a bit of a chip on their shoulder. You know, when I was scheduling these games for next season, you know, talking to Providence, who, who jumped into this two years ago and really hit the ground running and recruited very heavily. And brought, I mean, they have a good team for a small school. Um, you know, their coach is kind of like, you know, still looking at us like, you know, not sure what to expect. But I think, you know, with what we've got going on, we're going to we're going to bring a gr- big show to them. But it you know, year one, they're going to be tough games. You know, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a good program. And I foresee that MSU Northern and Providence continue to be, you know, very good rivals. And one of the cool things about hockey is you don't need a big school to make it happen. I mean, you know, the attendance for these, you know, you're limited by the size of the rink. So, you know, a lot of these, you know, a thousand people in, in you know, in, a, in an ice rink, that's a packed house. I mean, that for is sure. a very loud and intense crowd and certainly Haver and Great Falls can provide that in their own communities. And we're hoping to just double that in Missoula. For more information or how people can get involved, you guys have a website. I, I yep, grizhockey.com, and if, uh, our information's on there. And if people do want to get you know involved, my contacts in there as is Mike's. Um, so you know you can go to grizhockey.com, find that information, and get in touch with us. And again, we're you know we're looking for people who do want to get involved at certain you know certain levels or you know sponsorship opportunities. There's going to be a lot of that there. You know we're still you know getting the gear going, getting jerseys going. You know we're pre-selling jerseys right now on the website, so you can get your fan replica jersey with a custom name and number. Um, that's available at grizzhockey.com. So there's a lot of ways to get involved. It's pretty exciting. And coach, you can uh, the recruiting works two ways, right? There's there's a way for people to kind of let you know that they want to get recruited online as well, right? Yeah, on GoodSockey.com, there's a recruitment page. There's a form to fill out that goes directly to my email, and we will reach out as soon as we can. Coach Will or Will Grossman or I will get in contact with you as soon as we can. Phone call, text, whatever works best for you guys. We're just excited to really get this going, and and I, I love the sport of hockey. You know, I'm just excited to get coaching here. I got one more thing to add before we go, too, just because, you know, I, I do wear multiple hats, and I, the Grizz Lacrosse season is kicking off this year. Is that happening? It, it, it's been approved. It's happening it, in the spring. Yep, Grizz Lacrosse cool. is officially happening. Unfortunately, with Missoula County, it doesn't look like we're going to be hosting any home games this mm. year, but we are one of the few approved uh, schools or really around that has been able to put together a safe plan uh, to let our guys play. So, you know, it, it, we're we're having a season. We hope people do tune in. Again, the Grizz games are going to be, the Grizz Lacrosse games are going to be streamed online at grizzlax.com. Uh, and the schedule there is going to be posted very shortly. Of course, with COVID, every schedule I've made in the last four months has been ripped up, torn up, <laughs> right. burned several times over. But we're, we're getting it out there. And our first games this year are February 26th and 27th against Utah State down in Logan, Utah. Fellers, this is great. This is awesome. I know we're really excited for it. I think the community will be excited for it as well. Thanks so much for stopping by. This has been fun. Thanks. Thanks for having us. ESPN Roundtable, presented by Paradise Falls in Missoula. Go check out Paradise Falls for breakfast, lunch, or dinner. Need a place to watch the games. Uh, Lady Grizz are on the road this weekend. Men Grizz are at home. They have a way to stream both ladies and men at the same time. So you want to go check out both Grizz games. Great place to go, Paradise Falls, 3621 Brook Street. They got 30 big screen TVs. You can find all your sports action. Go check out Paradise Falls, Missoula's coolest hotspot. We're going to talk about redefining legacies through the lens of Marty Schottenheimer and a good discussion upcoming on Nuanas Now, 1029 ESPN Missoula, right after this.
Blackfoot Communications is actively supporting the communities we serve across Montana and Idaho. We are installing hundreds of miles of fiber in our service territories, increasing the broadband experience in our rural communities. We are delivering remote workforce solutions for our business communities. We are creating new, innovative solutions for our local entrepreneurs and enterprise organizations. Learn how your company can benefit. Call today at 541-5000 or go to blackfootbusiness.com. Blackfoot Communications. Connect to more. Welcome back. Nuana is now 1029 ESPN Missoula, statewide SWX Montana Television. Coulter Nuana is Sean Rainey taking you home on your Wednesday evening. If you missed anything in the first hour and a half of the show, great show so far. Thanks to Tucker Sargent and Mike Anderson from the new Grizz hockey team for stopping by. Here's a conversation that Sean and I were talking about uh, last night, actually, uh, when I was over at his spot. And, uh, I think that in sports we love the analysis of greatness. We love, you know, ranking players legacy. and legacy, yeah. uh, talking, you know, the history of of this and that and the other and the greatest of all time. We all want to define who our greatest of all time is and I think it's I think it's fun. That's one of the things that makes sports fun and it also adds an element of history to sports that makes it really fun as well. But this got me thinking. Here's the entry point of this conversation. Marty Schottenheimer a longtime NFL head coach, uh, probably most famously for the Kansas City Chiefs and the San Diego Chargers, passed away earlier this week at the age of 77. First and foremost, this is not part of the discussion, but I have to say this. The uh, Washington Post headline that said, uh, Marty Schottenheimer, a longtime NFL coach who flamed out in the playoffs or something like that, dead at 77. I thought that, that was so bad. I thought it was such a bad cheap shot. I thought it was just gross that they did that. But it also got me thinking about how uh, it's amazing to me how when people involved in professional sports particularly, but sports across the board, if they don't achieve the absolute ultimate prize, then somehow we consider them failures. As, as you and I were talking about last night, I mean, Marty Schottenheimer coached a 14-win team in San Diego, and they might have not won the Super Bowl, but it's still it, it's demeaning to me that, that guy, he's not remembered for being better than almost everybody else that year instead of just not being the best, right? We I think we take away from guys for for not being the absolute best when in reality, I think it's just a flawed argument when we're talking about just the organization of greatness. I mean, he is, what, eighth on the all-time winningest coaches list in the history of the NFL, okay? And, yes, he's known for not winning in the in the playoffs or whatever, but you got to get there. There's a lot of coaches that uh, didn't, didn't uh, get their teams even to the playoffs. And um, being someone that was in San Diego at the time when he got fired, I mean, he went 14-2, and two, Coulter. He got canned. After going 14-2, and two, I think it was just there was just so much frustration because the Chargers were so good that year that they had to just blame it on somebody. And so he was kind of the scapegoat. Um, but it is interesting how... Like with a with a Dan Marino, like the one thing that like the first thing you bring up is like, but he never won a Super Bowl, you know. Instead of just like appreciating the greatness 
especially in football to me, because football is like the ultimate team game. Yes. I, I just don't, you know, I, I, you and I are not as, um, we don't waste like Super Bowl success as much as like other people do. I have this debate all the time with like Philip Rivers and Eli Manning. And, and so many people will say Eli Manning's way better because he won two Super Bowls. I was like, he was not the better quarterback. He just right. happened to win two Super Bowls. And there's so many different examples we could make. I also think like a guy like Dan Marino, he didn't fail on the biggest stage that often because he never even got to the biggest stage that often. And so then ironically, he doesn't get killed nearly as much. It's the guys that lose the heart in heartbreaking fashion in the playoffs that then all of a sudden get scrutinized for not being able to get over the top. And I think that that is largely unfair. And I also think when we talk about these quarterback uh, comparisons and these quarterback um, evaluations and rankings, Tom Brady's at this point in the league of his own. Okay, so we're we're putting him over here. He's not in the conversation with anybody else. There's no conversation that you can have with Tom Brady because he's different. But to your point, the Phillip Rivers-Eli Manning, that's such a fascinating one. Like, Was Terry Bradshaw actually better than Dan Marino? Or did he just play with the best defense in the history of the NFL to that point in Pittsburgh? Right? Like, is is, was, is, is was, Troy Aikman better than Jim Kelly? Because Troy Aikman has three rings and Jim Kelly lost four Super Bowls. But Jim Kelly's better. Do you is, know what I mean? Is Tom Brady better than Patrick Mahomes this year? No. He was just right. on the better he was just on the better defense and had the better offensive line in that game. Ben Roethlisberger's got two rings. Is he better than Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson? No. I don't think so. No. I don't think he ever for a yeah, second has been better. So I think we can go you know, all the way down. Well, or, also, here's a great example that happened in, in Major League Baseball this year. Clayton Kershaw had this the narrative of never being able to, to pitch well in the postseason. Sure. And then he goes out and was and was awesome this year and won a World Series. And now the, the whole narrative is just completely different. Even though if the Rays would have left in Blake Snell... And the Rays win game six, and Kershaw doesn't even pitch in game seven because he wasn't scheduled to. And then let's say the Rays win the win the series had nothing to do with Clayton Kershaw's performances that he, in which he already had. That narrative would still be there, but just because his team happened to win, now that narrative is gone. It's just it's silly to me. And pitchers occupy a unique um, status in baseball. Because oftentimes, pitchers' greatest glory and their greatest failing is going to be in the postseason. I think about some of the guys. Kurt Schilling, that maybe have, Sock. They have over-elevated yeah. reputations like yeah. Kurt Schilling, Josh Beckett, uh, Madison Bumgarner. These guys have over-elevated reputations because of their ability to pitch in the playoffs. But then on the other side, if you're just a position player, hardly ever do we kill guys if they reach certain, certain statistical measurements, right? I mean... Yeah, very few people realize that Ernie. I mean, Ernie Banks hit 500 home runs for the Chicago Cubs. He's Mr. Cub. He's so beloved. He was on a whole bunch of just trash teams, but he never gets killed for that. Mike Trout. I mean, Mike Trout never has, made the playoffs. Hardly in the playoffs. No, he's never made it. He's never even made the playoffs. The best right. player of this generation, and he's never made the postseason. I mean, Wade Boggs was in the midst of the Red Sox when they were just uh, uh, you know all the way in the curse, and he had 3,000 hits, so he's a Hall of Famer. And that's it. We don't ever kill him for it. So I think baseball is an interesting uh, one. Well, baseball too, too like because the the sample size can be so like anybody could get hot. Like David Freeze was like you know the hero, yeah, and never was any good after that. But everybody knows him for just going nuts in the postseason and so he's you know this this better player than he actually is it's just it's very interesting we do this in basketball more than anything we we glorify michael jordan and then we kill all these great players who just maybe couldn't beat 
just Michael Jordan, right? Charles Barkley, Carl Malone, Patrick Ewing, like all these guys, they're Hall of Fame players, but we don't put them on the pedestal like Jordan just because they couldn't get over the top against Jordan. Who do you think is the most uh, misremembered or underrated uh, basketball player when it comes to this conversation? Ooh, that's a good question. Um... Oh, man. I mean, like the Jazz making the, the playoffs Jazz. pretty much every year and making it to the finals twice. I feel like that they're pretty – I don't feel like they're knocked as much, though. Like, I think Barkley's knocked more, but maybe that's just because he's on TNT all the time and sure. it's just like the easy, like, punchline joke is, like, that he never won. Right. You know? Um, I mean, Allen Iverson never got a ring. I think Allen Iverson, I mean – But I think he has, a he has like, a following, though. because He does, because he was a pop culture phenomenon exact, as well yep. as being – And his style, like, with him being so short and everything. Like, he has his own, like, following that, of people that have a lot of respect for him. Like, he doesn't really – when you bring up Allen Iverson, people aren't like, oh, yeah, he but he never won. You know? Right. Like, I, that's not the first, he, the first thing you think of is, like, his crossover on Jordan and things like that. And, like, his totally. style and personality and what he brought, you know? And, and he, he, I think that a couple of the teams that he dragged to the finals were so bad that it was just <laughs> undeniable, right? Mm-hmm. And, like, when they lost the finals to the Lakers, how can you beat the Lakers? You're not, you're not beating a Lakers team. No one is beating that Lakers team. No, no team, maybe NBA history, is beating those Kobe Shaq Lakers coached by Phil Jackson. So, um, what about Dirk Nowitzki? Because I think Nowitzki is uh, Nowitzki sort of occupies this place that is different than almost any other superstar who won a championship. Because he, inter- I mean, the, the NBA is made of dynasties, right? I mean, only half the franchises in the NBA have ever even won the NBA title. Half of them have never won the NBA title. The, when when Dirk Nowitzki led the Mavericks to the title, he interrupted multiple different little runs. I mean, the, the the Heat had been dominant, and then the Celtics were rising, and LeBron was coming of age in Cleveland, and then LeBron went to Miami. But Dirk, he, he's the one guy. Almost everybody that gets a ring, they get a couple rings. Dirk's the, one of the only guys that was the best player on the team that won the championship that only just won one. But they they interrupted so many different things. So does Dirk should he be remembered better than guys like Charles Barkley and and uh, Patrick Ewing or where do you fit Dirk just into the the, the mix of the hierarchy of, of NBA legends? I see. I don't. I'm not going to give him more credit just because they he got one and Barkley didn't. But it is funny how like you mentioned him because he can like he won he got his one so he can just sail off into the sunset. Anything it didn't matter what he did in his career afterwards. In public perception, like he got, he got the one. He's he's good. I think I got a name for you, as far as the the ones mm-hmm. that never won that get discredited for or, or not being valued for how good they were. And mm-hmm. it's I think it's Steve Nash. Steve Nash is really good. I think that's a good one because he was, I mean, he was the best player in the league, at least or at least one of the the more fun and exciting and, and definitely the best point guard in the league for a stretch there. Like those Suns teams. We're insane. And if, they if were you don't, insane. And if you don't have, like, that whole ejection right. with Amari Stoudemire and all that stuff, like, they would have won that series against the Spurs. That was against the Spurs, right? Yeah. yeah. The, the, like, that is a, that's a really good one. I think Steve Nash is one of the more underrated players ever because he never won. Like, if he would have won, I think we'd be looking at Steve Nash differently. But now he's with the Nets. Poor Steve Nash. <laughs> and, and then there's some guys that... that they take a they take a, a back seat rather than 
I always have so much respect for guys that got to try to go chase championships, whether it's with one franchise or moving franchises, but that do it as the best player, and they know that they're going to take the brunt of it. Uh, the example I'm thinking of right now is Clyde Drexler was in the conversation with Michael Jordan as the best two-guard in the league, and Clyde Drexler won the MVP the first year that Michael Jordan led the Bulls to the finals. Well, then Jordan eviscerated Clyde Drexler in that finals, and Drexler basically faded, and then he went and got two rings in Houston, but he wasn't the best player. And I think a lot of times, guys, you know, they do go ring chasing. Like Ray Allen was the best player on the Milwaukee Bucks and the Seattle Supersonics, but then he had to go join up with KG and Paul Pierce in Boston and LeBron James and D Wade in Miami to get himself a ring. So um, I think sometimes guys impact. I, 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 so here's a, here's a good one for you, Ray Allen, who. He's one of the greatest shooters in NBA history and got a couple rings, but as a, you don't want to say role player, but a, a secondary player with superstars in both the stops that he won rings at. Or a guy like Reggie Miller, who stays with a small market team and brings the Pacers to the brink multiple times, but never actually pounds down the door. Made it to one finals, made it to, I think, five Eastern Conference finals, but never gets a ring. Mm, that's a good question. I'd have to bring up like the career stats. Mm-hmm. I would say if they're similar... I mean, Reggie had more of a, uh, like an aura about him. For sure. You know what I mean? And that's what I'm saying. Reggie Miller was the defined best player on his team. Yeah. Ray Allen might be taking the last shot. He did hit one of the biggest shots in NBA history in the finals. Yep. But you don't, it's not a guarantee that Ray Allen's taking the last shot when he's playing for those last two teams he played for. You know Reggie Miller's getting the last shot. Like when Reggie Miller's going against the New York Knicks in the 1998 Eastern Conference Finals, you know Reggie Miller's getting the ball. Yeah. No, that's a tough one. Those are, I mean, they're probably similar, uh, uh, similar type players. Like as far as as who, like who's the better basketball player who had the better career? I'm not going to put Ray Allen above him just because he has a couple rings because he was on LeBron's team. That and that's what you're getting at. Exactly, exactly, yeah. exactly. It is Nuanas now. Sean Rainey joining me in studio, 102.9 ESPN Missoula statewide, SWX Montana Television. One other point I think is worth making. And there's a ton of examples for this as well. Chris Paul. Chris sorry, Paul, that's right. Another. Right. Like Chris Paul gets killed yeah. because Chris Paul's never made it past the conference finals. Yep. But Chris Paul also drug trash teams. I mean, he took well, a... Just look, just look what he did with the Thunder. The Thunder were were picked to finish like third last in the Western Conference They were supposed year. to tank last year and they got the four seed. Yeah. And then now he's in Phoenix and Phoenix is going to make the playoffs. Like, he he's a... He is one of those guys that just he puts him his his imprint on the the game so much like he controls the game and the flow of it and everything like that and I I, I do think though like those Clippers teams because I'm a huge I'm a big Chris Paul fan I loved him at New Orleans I, I've I've loved Chris Paul the whole time and so I started like really rooting for all the teams he went but there was a couple years there where he kind of soured on me and a lot of people for the Clippers just because like him Blake Griffin DeAndre Jordan and Doc they all kind of like. They got into this like really whiny stage. For it a was really years. it was a toxic like, environment to be sure. Yeah, so they all like they complained to the refs all the time. They flopped a lot. Like and they just had this like, you know, because they came up with this this showtime. Like they were making all these flashy plays and they were supposed to be the next like thing. And then they never could get over that hump. And then so they started becoming like it's everybody else's fault type thing. And, and then sure. it kind of soured on me a little bit for sure. But do, do, I agree with you because I'm a huge Chris Paul fan too. But don't you think that? Now that he's emerged from that, yeah, and he's back to being 100%. his old self, 
that you, you can tell that it, that was a lot of the things that were going on exteriorly. It had a little to do with Chris Paul and so much more to do with just the toxicity of the entire. Well, he's also he's also just like he's kind of a bulldog personality, so he's going to butt heads with certain guys. Exactly, and when you have guys like Blake Griffin who are just crybabies, they're not listening to Chris Paul. Yeah. They're not listening to anybody. That's why Blake Griffin looks like, I mean, that's why he looks like what he looks like and hasn't won at a high level uh, a, a lot of, uh, most of his career. Okay, one last theory I want to give you here. I think that the most underrated part of your fortune in sports, and this is particularly true in basketball and football, is... Fit and in the NBA, uh, the, the way the NBA has evolved now, where the players just straight run the league and they can do whatever they want, they can go wherever they want, they can play with whoever they want. It's not necessarily as important because if you get stuck in a, a bad situation, you just wait it out for a couple mm-hmm. years and, and you just go play somewhere else, you just go link up with somebody else. But a lot of times in the NFL, you get locked in, you get stuck. So how important is fit? I guess my question is, like right now, Patrick Mahomes has so much hype behind him, even though with the, despite the Super Bowl loss, despite you know the fact that they just got rolled by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, that you still hear the national narrative of, well, how many rings is Mahomes going to get? Is he going to get four, five, six? You know, is he already the greatest quarterback of all time? First of all, that's just blasphemy. Get out of here. you, you got to let the guy play. His at least some part of his career, he's only been in the league. Yeah, just for get get at least the upper twenties before. For sure. Like we're not even. He's like twenty four, I think. Exactly. Twenty five. Like let's wait exactly. till he's like upper twenties exactly. before we're talking about. Exactly. Him. But I guess my question for you though is, how much has Patrick Mahomes' accelerated success been because he landed with a great franchise that has a great head coach? In other words, if Patrick Mahomes was on the Houston Texans and Deshaun Watson had been on the Kansas City Chiefs, how much different would the success really have been? Chiefs probably have one Super Bowl still. Like, I mean, I, I right? think they, Don't you think that they would have very similar levels of success? Yeah, I think Watson. I think Watson is. I think Patrick Mahomes is better than Deshaun Watson, but I don't think the gap is is very wide. And and, and how much better could Deshaun Watson be right now if he had been playing for Andy Reid? And would would Mahomes be as good if he would have been playing for a guy like Bill O'Brien? I don't think so. No, not at all. I think in the NFL, I think so much of it is about fit and. I honestly think that so much of the NFL that people don't understand because these are, you have to think about these teams as businesses. Yes. And where, how do all good businesses separate themselves from bad businesses? It's the ownership. Yes. And it trickles down from the ownership all the way down to the coaches, the front office, and then the players. Why did the Clippers just suck 100%. for 35 the years? Because they had, the, the, the Clippers it was not an accident that the Clippers sucked for 35 years. They had the worst owner in pro sports. He didn't care about being good. Why do the why have the Cowboys struggled? Because they have this owner that just meddles and everything. everything. Exactly. But you look at some of these other teams that historically are just always solid. Like they'll go through years where they're not good. But like mm-hmm. the Giants, good ownership. Right. That's why they've won a few Super Bowls for sure. The Steelers, like all the, like the the Chiefs have good ownership. Mm-hmm. Like you look at these teams that are that stability. Are, Perennially good, it's because they have good ownership. And they have stability in the organization yes, as well. Yes, because then they have that stability, so they make good decisions, they make good hires, those good hires put their players in good... It's, it's a whole trickle-down effect. We were talking about this last night with Ben Weinman, who's the uh, anchor for ABC Fox Montana News. Drew Brees, when he was in San Diego, wasn't very good. And then Drew Brees failed a physical because he got hurt, and he could have gone to Miami, and it altered the whole mm-hmm. scope of the league. But then Drew Brees ends up in New Orleans. 
Well, Drew Brees struck gold because he ended up with a, the perfect offensive coach for him. And maybe Drew Brees isn't the all-time leader in passing yards and isn't an MVP. I guess he actually never has won an MVP, but isn't a Super Bowl champion if he doesn't land with Sean Payton. The, the, honestly, and I know this is right up your alley because this is the thing that you followed the most closely, but the, the best comparison is Philip Rivers and Eli Manning. I know. Like I, I, I say I, this all the time. I just truly think that there's no chance Eli Manning is even in any sniff of a Hall of Fame conversation if he played his whole career for the Chargers. And Philip Rivers is an absolute surefire Hall of Famer and probably has two or even three rings if he plays for the New York Giants. Or, if you throw this in there, what if Philip plays... What if Philip goes to the Steelers... Big mm. Ben goes to the Giants and Eli goes to the Chargers. Man, like how how does how do their career arcs like I I like Phillips winning is two two Super Bowls with Pittsburgh. I think you know I I just think so much of it is about fit. Like and and when you come into that like I Russell Wilson for the Seahawks like when he won his first Super Bowl I got killed by a lot of Seattle fans because I said that like. 15 different quarterbacks in the league could have led Seattle to that Super Bowl because their defense and everything was just in place. After that, Russ has obviously gotten a lot better and has, has carried that team. But there's just so many circumstances where the the fit and how it all lines up. Like, would you rather have Stafford or Goff? Obviously, it's Stafford. That's For why sure. they, that's why they just shipped off Goff. They got to a Super Bowl with Goff. Does does that mean that Goff is better than Stafford because Goff's made it to the Super Bowl? No. That's why they just got rid of him for Stafford. That's a it's, gr- it's all about like your fit and like and all of it combined. That's exactly a great example of how fit is going to benefit somebody too. Because Matt Stafford has taken it right on the chin for his entire career. He sat up there and performed exceptionally well in Detroit while he's had a rotating door of head coaches, a franchise that has no idea what they're doing, and now he's going to go. Play for a franchise that seems like they have at least some good stability, and they have a great coach, and that's going to help Matt Stafford and, so much. And then it's also it gets into the very. It, I'm very curious to see because a lot of times, like we give sometimes a pass to certain quarterbacks because they're in a bad spot, right? But are they actually bad, or are they just in a bad spot? Like a Sam Darnold right. comes in with like all this talent, and he goes to the Jets, and obviously, like there was, I don't think many quarterbacks could have survived sure. in that situation. Is Darnold actually good? Because we we hear all these things like if Darnold went to the 49ers, right. like he'd be really really good. I don't know the answer to that question, but I do know that he certainly wasn't helped out a lot by by going into that situation. But I don't know if you move a guy like a Sam Darnold into a better better spot, like how much better he's going to be. That's kind of the fun part of part of it when you're talking about you know a, a talented guys that struggled in that situation. If you win more and you lose at the highest level of sports. You are in the conversation for greatness. That's the whole point of this whole thing. Nuana's now 1029 ESPN Missoula. Take you home on your Wednesday right after this. Hi, this is Kim from the Wingate in Missoula. If you need a break from the everyday same old, same old, we want to be your home away from home. With comfortable rooms, a great breakfast, and a super fun indoor water park, The Wingate of Missoula is the ideal place for a quick getaway without having to go away. Let us give your family a little quality time together or ask us about our birthday parties. Work like an adult, play like a child, and sleep like a baby at the Wingate of Missoula. Tucker's back. 
Did you forget your coat? <laughs> it is Nuanas now. couple more minutes for you on your Wednesday evening. If you missed anything in the show, Tucker Sargent was on the show. He is the uh, on the executive board of directors for the new Montana lacrosse team. That was part of our ESPN roundtable. Sean Rainey and I also talked a variety of other things. Brent Vegan hired at the uh, for the Montana State Bobcats as the new football coach. We heard from both Vegan and Leon Costello, the athletic director. Uh, shared a little local hockey news and some news in terms of spectators at AA sporting events in our Garden City spotlight. And also had a little debate about greatness and evaluating greatness when it comes to professional sports. I had a little faux pas earlier in the show where I slipped on the button and I hit, <laughs> took us to break, and then we had to circle back around to get the Leon Costello interview uh, on the air. And so here's what we're going to do right now. And if you don't get in on the phone line, that's fine. Uh, you can hit us up on Facebook, Facebook backslash ESPN Missoula, or you can hit us up on the studio line with a text, 361-3688. Or you can hit us up on Twitter as well, at 1029 ESPN. Right now, though, give us a call, 361-3688. I got a dozen wings to the Desperado Sports Tavern and Grill. It's always a wing at Wednesday on Wednesdays. We just kind of had to circle back around to it. So if you give us a call or shoot us a text, 361-3688, 361-3688, just the number one call, you're going to get a dozen wings from the Desperado Sports Tavern and Grill, voted on by you as the best wings in all the city of Missoula. Rain Man, the weekend of basketball coming up. I mean, Weber State, Montana seems to always be a big rivalry, but Montana's really been struggling. To the Grizz, I mean, it's a chance for them to if make they, a if, statement. If they yeah. pulled an upset, it yeah. would be something that could completely right the ship for their season, right? Yeah. I mean, they could easily get a split. Um, I, I think Montana, they're in the position where, like, they're just not good enough to pull away from anybody. But I think that they could beat anybody in the league. Like I don't think the league. I think is all the coaches in the league know that too. Exactly. Like they'll hang around. It'll be interesting. The, the Grizz have not been in the position that they're in right now for for I mean since I was a kid growing up in Missoula, where the usually it's the Grizz or the team to beat, not the team that no one wants to play when yeah. it comes I mean, tournament what, time. What, what game did they lose in conference this year that they couldn't have won? Right. None. They could. They. They. They definitely should have won half of them and could have won the other half. So they haven't – there's not one conference game where they had th- three minutes to go and you're like, there's no chance that they're going to win this game. So that's what I'm kind of be kind of interested in is like just the dynamic of these and, and things like that. Tomorrow we've got a big show for you like we do every single Thursday. We'll break down all the action in Big Sky Hoops and preview all of it. Krista Redpath is going to swing by for her weekly Around the Big Sky and Women's Hoops. We'll also share interviews with Shante Leggins, the head coach of Eastern Washington, Danny Sprinkle, the head coach of Montana State, Randy Ray, the head coach of Weber State, and his first appearance on this show. This is It's finally starting to feel like winter around here, and if you need some nice winter gear, how about the fine folks at Sitka? They make awesome winter clothes, and they sell custom Bobcat Sitka gear at the MSU Bookstore. You can shop online anytime at msubookstore.org, or, of course, you can check out the MSU Bookstore live and in person there on the Montana State campus. They also have some graduation regalia back in order there at the MSU Bookstore. They have an awesome American Indian Council selection as well. Visit on campus anytime you need blue and gold, or visit online anytime, anywhere, msubookstore.org. MSU Bookstore. Your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day located there on the Montana State campus.